Uh, that was just a combination of clattering that I'm assuming the mic didn't pick up, so we all just gasped in shock at nothing. Yeah. Well, we, was, the, the worst part is we'd rehearse, like, okay, we're going to start with this, we're going to do this, <laughs> we're going to... We're yeah. literally sitting here being all, like, like super, like, serious. We know what we're doing. We're going to be, like, an NPR show today. Hit record. <gasps> the world's ending! <laughs> yep, I dropped something, and then someone, you know... Presumably your wife dropped something upstairs, and... I mean, if it wasn't her, it was the gremlins in my closet. Yeah. Hey, welcome to Speaking of Which, episode 26. My counting's right, it should be, but I'm not going to call out numbers anymore because I don't trust myself to count good. Hey, well, I'm uh, Ryan. I'm Drew. Welcome to the show. We haven't changed places, so we're still the same people. Welcome to the show. Speaking of which... Not, not that the topic uh, yet, uh, but speaking uh, of which... You said the name! I name-dropped our show by accident. We did switch places. When we recorded in my apartment, we sat on the opposite sides of the couch. Oh, that's a good point. But since the basement, we've switched. That's true. Okay, so no one can see this, but I'm sitting on the stage left side of the couch. Andrew's on the stage right at his old apartment. We're now recording in his house at his old apartment. I sat stage right, he sat stage left. Makes no difference to you, the listener. But it is very bizarre that we did this, and we consistently keep the same seat every time. It is. And it's the same couch, too. Like, it's, on top of that, it's like... It's the same couch. We just switch seats. I don't know how this, how it sort of came to be that it way. It's weird. Like, I wonder if there's, like... There's an episode to discuss later on. Yeah. Um, speaking of things to discuss, any housekeeping this week? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess we sort of unofficially, officially launched our Facebook page. Yeah. It's still a bit um, work in progress in terms it's of simple. like touching up. It's simple, but it's it's there. And that's where we're going to be posting our question, uh, our questions and link to our episodes. Uh, any, any other future projects that I have in the works that I haven't told you about yet? We have in the works? Well, I have. I have something working. Okay. I'll reveal it to you after the show as a surprise. Fair enough. And you'll see it on the Facebook probably before this episode airs because probably. timeliness is a thing. But anyway, do. yeah, any any other things like that, you'll find it there. Um, probably through our personal Facebooks, we're going to be sharing it a shit ton, so we apologize in advance to our friends. Well, I mean, you're already seeing it, but then you can, in theory, go and like stop viewing the page, so when we share things from that page, you don't see it. Yes. Or you can just follow that page if you don't like us, but you like our show, because that's... A combination that might exist? I suppose so. Separate artists from art, right? Ah, uh, yes. Um, we do have a Twitter. Anyway, so the, the page is just speaking of which. You can find it presumably by searching it up. Uh, you can even just go under our Facebook profiles and you'll find it pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, we, we've shared a bunch of their stuff. We don't really, neither of us really posted that much to Facebook otherwise. Especially <laughs> I pretty much you. only check it yeah. for the podcast. Especially you. I I'm post not a, few a podcaster. Things. I'll stick to Twitter. Um, we do, well, speaking of Twitter, we do also have a Twitter account that's even less like set up. It only How has... do we not call our Twitter account speaking of Twitter? <laughs> Oh god, that would have been this good. So good. Oh, could still change it. Could still change the name. But as of now, it's at speaking which speaking of which was taken. Which so I think at, is good. I like the shorter names. Yeah, at speaking of which. Uh, sorry, at speaking which. No of. And uh, there's only like I think there's only one follower, and that's me. I don't think even you followed it yet. I did. I literally retweeted it this morning and followed it. Oh, okay, cool. At least um, I think I did. I definitely retweeted it. Ninety percent sure I followed it. So the social media is up. You can also just still find us on iTunes. I don't think we have any other social media platforms yet. Um, yeah, no, just message us on the Facebooks, the Instagrams, 
uh, Instagram. We don't have an Instagram account for this we yet. But you can find us on there. Same yeah, Twitter handles. That might be the next step or a Snapchat. You could just I write mean, a just letter to nobody and leave it on your windowsill and hope we get it somehow. <laughs> Drop it in your local body of water and see where it goes. <laughs> um, but yes, I, think, bottle I think that's it for housekeeping on my end. I don't know. If, I mean, I'm usually, I guess, the social media coordinator unofficially. That's it. I usually find myself ending up with the feedback side of things, and uh, nothing that was brought up to me by previous episodes I need to share. But again, if you feel there's a correction to be made, or you miss the boat and really want to get your point in, and we think it's good enough, I'll bring it up here. Yeah. So, so uh, uh, Drew's, Drew's your feedback guy. Drew's the guy you want to talk to. I'm the guy who's going to talk to you, pretty much. Ooh, I like this. Yeah. Synergy. Synergy. Other business words. Unintentional synergy. <laughs> That's how, that that was actually the working title for the show before speaking of which unintentional synergy which I'm kind of liking a lot now that is, well, incor- that is incorrect that is, that is <laughs> fake news um, <laughs> it was the alt title of the podcast sure the artists formerly known as uh, unintended unintentional synergy um, okay we have what is our next segment it's uh, 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 our topic uh, our oh we don't do that okay we do our topic first speaking of which book versus movie adaptations i like this one and i am going to say right away i'm going to bring it a bit broader than just book to movie okay i kind of just like the idea of going from the whole one media to another so generally adaptation adaptation yes okay i took it most because i guess the most common type of adaptation we see is movie from book and i think that's where i directed the question and that's where our listeners uh directly their answers oh, but of yeah. course there is there's obviously you know video game gets thrown in uh, mm-hmm. comic book gets thrown that in. was the, that, those um, are the two big ones i had also now uh the new trend we're seeing in hollywood with full metal alchemist and ghost in the shell is animated americanized movie yeah there you go that's, that's another that's one true um, but uh but primarily i think today's topic is mostly going to be the also book to movie. toy to movie lego movie <laughs> you know what? That's another one too. Anything with that? That that's on a different level. I and think a lot of Transformers. People, technically, Transformers. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like Gundam and Bionicle and all that. Yeah, like, no, friggin true. Ba- wow. deep, deep cut Bionicle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think we're gonna maybe leave those ones out. Those are pretty. Those are more like outliers. Again, we might they might come up in conversation. I have a few points I want to bring up. I got a, a lovely chat with a buddy of mine. Uh, yes, he told but, me. But first, I want to go through my own personal experience. And I generally, I, I feel like I'm one of those people, like given what I've seen so far, where I usually prefer the movie to the book because I'm not much of a book reader. So a lot of the cases, which is, I think, the most common for people, where is you've seen the, the movie and then you go backwards and end up reading the book and realizing, oh, I did prefer the book more. And then there's the other side of it, which is the, you were already a fan of this series. You already had like a deep-seated connection to this book. And then you saw the movie and it didn't fill your image of it. Mm-hmm. I tend to be the, the first of those two, which is more the I'll see something. And if I'm really, really interested, I'll go back to the book. Mm-hmm. And even then, it's pretty rare because I'm not a big book guy. Okay. I don't think I do that much of it. I, I'm also not a big book reader, not as much as I'd like to be, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, so a lot of movies I've seen that are based on books, I have not read the books, and I don't end up reading the books. Mm-hmm. Um, exceptions in recent memory being... Uh, well, actually, I guess this is not book-to-movie, this is a book-to-TV show, exception being Game of Thrones. That's, How can yeah. I not... Uh, 
I actually almost I, I forgot about that until like two minutes ago. I'm like, oh, I can talk about Game of Thrones on this podcast. Really? I assume the point of this episode no. was because of that and Lord of the Rings. I completely <laughs> forgot about I mean Lord of the Rings I knew. I completely forgot about Game of Thrones. I was really just thinking book, movie, book, movie, book, movie. But no, Game of Thrones, I'm sorry. If you're sick of hearing about Game of Thrones, you are gonna hear about it in this podcast because I think it's a really, really interesting example of the struggle and the tension between book and movie. And we're gonna to get to that later. So if you look at my phone, you will see this like wall of text from interviewing uh, our buddy Stu today. Mm-hmm. And that was the majority of it was Game of Thrones as an example. Okay. Because it is a book series that does things a certain way that would not reflect in a television show. That's it. That's a, I mean, that, that for me comes down to the whole argument of a lot of people just sort of automatically saying the book was better, the book was better, the book was better. Yeah, I believe we had a comment about that today, didn't we? We did. I'm, you know what? I'm actually going to read it. Like, right we're already now. in there. Let's just dig it back. We're already in there. And um, we, we got a few comments, and they're all really, really good. I want to I want to give some, you know, shouts to the people who did leave us comments. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Quinn, Shannon, my girlfriend, mm-hmm. and how do you pronounce her name? Irene. Irene. Because I'm like, I'm like, I heard Paul, uh, your wife, say it earlier. I'm like, okay, it's not Irene. No. I need. I don't want to Americanize it. So Irene, thank you uh, for all of your comments. Uh, so Quinn, Quinn is the comment I'm talking about right now because uh, first of all, it got the most likes. It got five likes. So not just us mm-hmm. liking it. And so what he says is when people say that the book, and he quotes, the book was way better. What they really mean is, quote, I read the book. I've noticed that people love bragging about the things they've read and the adaptation debate is a great opportunity for them to do so. There are many, or there are plenty of times that film proves itself a more compelling medium for storytelling than books. Take, for example, Fight Club or the first Hunger Games movie. I hate this tendency on the part of the viewer to always claim that literature is a more effective form than film. Cinema and literature each offer their own affordances, and we need to break down the out-of-day sense of hierarchy between these media. I love when Quinn comments. He is just such a way with words and just gets a feeling across yeah. so well. Quinn Quinn's very, very intelligent and he's very verbose. Uh, yeah. verbose well, verbose is not the right word, but he's very eloquent with the way he speaks. Yes. And he, like, I tend to lean more towards his way of thinking as well. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very, and I think this is because I'm not so much of a book reader myself. I think it's because, and not that I say that I, I don't like reading. I do read. I enjoy reading. Um, i Read a, I actually read A Clockwork Orange uh, about a week really? ago for the first time. Hmm. Interesting book, but that's another thing. So I do read, and I have Gone Girl. That's my next read, probably. Um, but look at you. I'm do so I do I go out of my way and read, 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 read? No. And so I think for me, when I see a movie that's based on a book, and I enjoy it, and then I hear all these people going, "Yeah, the book, the book did this better, and the book did that." The movie totally blanked this out, and it's like. Yeah, but the movie was still good. It's just a different medium that doesn't have the same affordances or ability is a better word. It doesn't have the same ability than the book. When you write a book, you can literally write anything happening. So this was one of the great examples that was brought up by um, our buddy Stu when it came to Game of Thrones. Uh, And actually, I read a comment of the same vein a few days ago I read about, which sparked this whole conversation at brunch today. Food. Uh, Game of Thrones, which I actually will admit I have not read. I only watched the show, so I'm going in here a little bit more blind, going off what I've been told and what I've, I've heard. I've read the book, so I can... So you can fact check me. Yeah. George R.R. likes to describe food. He does. And people often joke that this can go on for way too long sometimes. It does. 
Uh, there, I, I skip the two, three pages because honestly, I, I appreciate the detail. I really do, but it's like, this is not, and you don't need to see this in a TV show. But that's it. In a that's show, it. you can, in just a few frames, show a beautiful table, people like just eyeing the food, a little bit of that drool, that like that look. Yeah. You can get that entire, not in this great detail, describing how the smell reminds someone of a Christmas morning with their family, like you can really get in writing, but you can still in a few frames without really wasting time in the film, get this point across. That's it. Um, what film loses in its flexibility? Because obviously the written word, you can literally, like I said, you can literally write. I mean, in theory, you can literally write anything happening. And mm -hmm. who's going to say, oh, that's not realistic? Well, of course not realistic. It's fantasy. And I can write it and it doesn't have to like translate onto the screen. It's not within the limitations of what we can animate, of what we can mm -hmm. do with extras, with props, with sets, with this, this, that. The visual medium, though, does afford us to translate certain thoughts into cinematography and into looks. Another example, um, I'm pretty sure I actually remember talking about this on a previous podcast in, in one of our like random banter sections, but... I wonder if it's come up the same point Instead of food, uh, characters. Mm -hmm. Game of Thrones, uh, what Game of Thrones, another thing is known for is just a ton, a ton of characters to the point where George R. R. Martin actually makes fun of this in the story. Really? Uh, yes, I will actually use the example. It's not a spoiler, so I wouldn't worry about it too much. I there's a, I don't remember the character, but there's a character in Daenerys's uh, storyline. There are so many in the in the uh, the free cities. There are so many guys with similar names, like a lot of Zeds, a lot of like three three word names. And so one character just goes, "Oh yeah, we're just gonna replace him with another Harzu or something like that." And <laughs> it, he actually says it. So George R. R. Martin realizes this and. In a show that there's already a ton of characters and not just like, okay, I don't need to pay as much attention to these guys. They're not as important. No, all of these characters are important. Maybe some, some less so, but there is a good dozen at least characters who you need to know and their, you know, their motives and they're this and they're that. It's, I don't want to get onto a hierarchical position, but Game of Thrones is, it has a lot of characters already. You cannot bring all the characters that George R. R. Martin wrote in because A, most of them are not important. Mm -hmm. And B, you're already going to lose the viewer in in that. The yeah. book reader has the luxury of going back. I'm like, who is this character? I do not recognize him. And I mean, I both back. from a budgeting standpoint, you don't need to yes. cast as many people. Exactly. Uh, I know I've been, I've been informed by readers of the series that there are certain characters that were left out, but their storylines were kind of tied to other characters. Exactly. Yes. Um, there's been some characters who have been like, you know, merged almost merged exactly into one or characters who have sort of branched onto an existing character storyline. I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head. Unfortunately, I can't. Oh, it's fine. I'm sure the reader, the reader out there is like, oh, well, oh, so and so clearly. Not that I'm making fun of the reader. I'm just you probably know, and us TV TV club like myself doesn't remember. I know of them. It's just I, I like I think especially the Sand Snakes. There have been some characters. I won't uh, like without going to spoilers. There are I believe there have been some characters who have been merged into the Sand Snakes a little bit. Into the Dorn storyline. So we're missing a few people from Dorn who would be interesting. 
but people not are already necessary. i mean first of all people are already not that interested into the sand snake storyline that's a whole other thing oh yeah no you said sand snakes and maybe like who the fuck the sand yeah. snakes Anyway, let's not make this all about Game of Thrones. Uh, the last point I did want to bring example. up about Game of Thrones, though, again yeah. from Stu, and it's a point that he's belabored to me a few times, is the way you're writing the book from a first-person point of view yeah. is something you can never really truly do in TV and movie. Well, that's it. You, It's something you can do in video game, which I kind of like. Yes. Which is where I, like, kinda, I find an interesting gap there. But in Game of Thrones as a show, you're always at a bird's-eye view. You're seeing everyone and everything. Whereas in the book, from what I've been led to believe, is you're getting it from the point of view of a character, so you're seeing it through their eyes and their yes. feelings and their emotions, and this has actually led people to look at a character differently because you're suddenly seeing it from their point of view versus them seeing them as a villain, you're seeing it their personal view and how they are being villainized. Yes. And I think that's something else that is just really, again, it, you have different, and this is probably why a lot of adaptations don't work, is you're trying to force a medium into another that doesn't necessarily translate one-to-one. -one. Well, that's it. And I feel like Game of Thrones has found the right way to do it uh, by yes. really separating the characters physically. So you might go up season without seeing a certain character and then suddenly they're back and you're like, oh my god, him! Yeah. And then where the book, I know, uh, I think it's Arya Stark at some point in the book, you're getting a chapter of her point of view and then she's just gone for like two books or something crazy like that. She's gone for a little while, yes. And like you kind of forget about it and then suddenly she, you're in her eyes again you're like, what, what the fuck? That's it. Um, in an effort to bring it like I don't mm -hmm. off of Game of Thrones level, I'll read another comment. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to go my notes of other non-Game of Thrones notes I have. I'll, uh, I'll read Shannon's comment because mm -hmm. it's in a similar vein. And she says, um, I'm usually team book, but in all honesty, even if the movie ends up garbage, I'll still watch it because I love seeing my favorite books slash stories adapted on a screen. I love the visual storytelling aspect that I get from it. I'll use some Stephen King examples. Ooh, the Shawshank call. Redemption and The Green Mile are two of my favorite movie adaptations and stories of all time. What makes these great is that the film stayed so true to the voice and the feeling of the book. The narrations in the movie stayed really true to how the book felt. It's difficult to describe. Sometimes this isn't always the case. I found The Shining to be particularly disappointing when compared with the book. Standalone, I think it's a good movie. However, it loses a really critical aspect of the story to me in which the main character in the book is a loving father who slowly descends into madness, whereas in the movie he is portrayed as mad the whole time. Hello, Jack Nicholson. Yes. Uh, <laughs> this didn't stop me. This didn't stop me from enjoying the movie and saying it was good, but it's disappointing to lose an important part to me, an important point to me. So, too long didn't read version. It depends. Just because book is better doesn't mean the movie is garbage. True. Uh, so, these are actually two examples where I have read both books and seen the movies. And I will agree with her on The Shining. I definitely found the book to be a better story. Mm -hmm. And the movie, honestly, I'm going to say it now, unpopular opinion, I never loved it. Like, I, I get it. It's a fun film from a filmmaker standpoint. Like, the cinematography, some of the design aspects. Which film, sorry? Uh, the Shining. Okay. Like... There's a whole documentary on it that I think is just marvelous. I almost prefer the documentary to the movie itself. Um, but like other Stephen King books that I've read and then watched the movies, or actually I say more in his case as a kid, watched the movies and then read the books as an adult. Right. I like it. his writing is good, but I found the movies better in a lot of cases just because they were easier. And that's actually something that came up in conversation again today over brunch with Stu was movies are less commitment. They're easier. Yes. For someone who... I've always wanted to read Ender's Game. Ender's Game was one of those books that's been on my list forever of a book I need to read as a nerd. Mm -hmm. Still haven't read it. And then the movie came out. 
And I was like, well, there's my shortcut. I can just watch the movie. And then I heard the movie was crap and I haven't watched it yet either. So really, it's a terrible example. But the point being, in a lot of cases, if you're someone who's interested in something like that. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm going to get into an example now that I know will result in some feedback from a, a certain somebody soon. I never finished Harry Potter. Oh, okay. I read up into the fifth book and the fifth book just didn't do it for me. <clears throat> and I jumped off and then eventually watched all the movies at least twice now. And I think it's a fantastic series. I figure we couldn't have a book versus movie discussion without going into probably the yeah. biggest one of our generation. Yeah. It was, a, uh, it was funny. A lot of my uh, people I thought would comment about this didn't. I, I don't know if they just didn't see the new page maybe, but like no, I have some hardcore Harry Potter heads in my life. I don't think it was commented on actually. Now that I, no. now that I look. I had two people in mind, but never uh, one of them I just kind of referenced here. But to, to, to not uh, get off topic too much, Again, in, through conversation, I have learned about bits of... Oh, she of... did use... Uh, uh, Irene used Harry Potter oh, as does an she? example. Yes. Very nice. What'd you say about it? Um, books better than the movie. So, she uses this in the case of sagas, so multiple uh, mm -hmm. book franchises. Um, maybe it's because, as a movie producer, they see themselves floating in money during several years, enlarging the saga and draining it, not paying attention to quality, but quantity. So she used Harry Potter, uh, saying they were pretty awful in the end. I kind of disagree. I think they're all still pretty good in the end. Some of the Lord of the Rings stuff, too. Definitely Game of Thrones. Uh, okay, I, I do actually a little disagree with this. And I think just for the reasons we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. because those books are so intricate and so insanely detailed, they yeah. are going to lose some of that in the scope of a movie. So that's a, the but Harry I see Potter what one. she's saying. So the Harry Potter one, I'll half agree. Mm -hmm. Because from a book reader's point of view, there's a lot of detail that is missed that is apparently really important to the series. That... I'm fine. Okay, sorry. You're about to sneeze. I was like, hey, your tissue. Uh, there were some details that apparently are left out from the books, especially with the house elves and like their abilities and why they're important. Right. That the movie really glosses over. They do enough that, like, as a movie viewer, I never had a question about them. Like, I just thought they're like, oh, you're just freeing slaves because it's the right thing to do. Not realizing the book goes into much more detail about this in the fifth book where I kind of fell off the boat and said, like, I just, I just can't do this anymore. Right. Um, and then what was the other example she gave? She gave Game of Thrones, Harry Lord Potter, of Lord of the Rings. So not Lord of the Rings. And again, I know it kind of gets shit for the multi-ending thing. Yes. But I will agree with her on The Hobbit. I still fight, and I think I've said it before, The Hobbit could have been maybe two movies, maybe one and a half even, just like one long run with an extended cut, really, for the DVD. And I'm I'm betting there is a fan cut out there where they basically shorten all three movies into one, like, three and a half, three hour experience that tells the whole story without going over the top. I think two movies is probably more appropriate. I, That's I don't it. I think, think it would have been a great... I think there was two. too much to cover in one movie just because of the, mm -hmm. the scope of J.R.R. Tolkien's writing. Yeah. But, yeah, when the third movie's pretty much just a battle, that didn't happen? It, it happens, so it did, but, but they don't... It happens in the book, but the way it happens is literally someone... Uh, for, uh, Bilbo gets knocked out. Yeah, he wakes up after the battle and gets told, "Oh, it was a horrible fight. There was blood everywhere, but we won! Yay!" It's literally—I mean, I'm exaggerating here. I'm pretty sure it's got a page and a half, maybe not even a full page, mm. which they turned into a movie. Not saying it was a bad movie. Not saying it was unnecessary. Okay, I'm saying it's unnecessary, but it was still well done. It does some good storytelling. It ties up some storylines within their own like add-on they've done. 
I'm not going to sit here and say they were bad. I just think it could have been maybe I, a two-part. I, I guess what I'll say in that is that from the perspective of someone who is only watching the movies and doesn't know mm-hmm. that, if that had played out in the movies the way it played in, out in the books... If, oh, yeah. Then you'd be people being like, what the fuck? That's such a cop-out. He slept through the entire thing. Not Which, I mean, he actually kind of does, but they just still film the battle around him. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Not knowing that that's, you know, what actually happened in the book. So maybe there was that appeasement factor and that this is what needed to, to happen. No, and I, I definitely see that. Uh, I, that's just my devil's advocate uh, argument, I suppose. Yeah. So I wanted to bring up just a few more key points that came up here. Okay. Um... Was there ever, uh, I think we brought it up a little bit before ago, was there ever a movie that you watched that made you want to go read the book afterwards? A movie that I watched that made me want to go read the book afterwards. No. Okay. Interesting. I'm not, like I said, I'm not a huge book reader. I think, especially when I know the story, mm-hmm. I'm not likely to go back and read. Like Game of Thrones, I read it. Before I watched uh, the TV show, but yeah. even with I actually just just watched the Green Mile a couple weeks ago. Mm. Uh, Goddamn, fantastic! Yeah, very good. But so that actually nice segue. A lot of the Stephen King ones, like Green Mile, Carrie, a lot of those that I did read were because I saw the film and I wanted to see how the writing was because I knew he was such a prolific writer. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one I want to bring up was I think the biggest divide between book and movie that makes each one more unique is in a book you have unlimited time to describe things like you said you can just write as long as you want yeah but then movie you have the special effects aspect you can do things that you could never describe you you could obviously describe because they have to be described to exist but do them in a way that your mind wouldn't put them together that's it there's and there's always the Oh, this is not how I pictured this character looking this is not how I pictured this so that goes right to my next point beautifully which is the when you picture something in a book, like you've just sort of pictured a character a certain way, or uh, you even just like the way you pronounce a word sometimes. The famous example I always share is Hermione. Yeah. And then suddenly the movie does it, and you're like, what? Really? That's how that? Okay. And I've always found that to be an interesting side of things, too. Um, I think my example for that would be one of my favorite examples of book to movie, because it has a kind of fun tale behind it, which is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Okay. Probably my favorite book, one that I've actually, the only book I've ever actually reread multiple times, um, has a movie adaption where the ending is completely different because it is based on the screenplay of the book that the same author wrote, knowing this would be a movie, things won't work the same way, I have to come up with a different ending. There you go. Which I think is probably the smartest way to do that. Don't try to turn a book into a movie. Have the author say, hey, we're going to turn your book into a movie. How do you want it done? And let him make the changes, even means changing some major plot mm, points. And that's endings. not always available, though. No, it is not. But I think it is a great option when it is available. I think for me, like, I have to go back to what Quinn says. And we have to get away from this false hierarchy. Yeah. Um, the book doesn't, you know... It, I think it also comes down to the whole hierarchy of just being a reader versus someone who doesn't read that much. And mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, I read books. I'm I'm smarter. And I don't agree with that at all. I mean, if you read, that is fantastic. I, like, I don't think people should make fun of people for reading. I think reading is a totally valid hobby. And it's, 
you know, you get to read some of the classics, you get to read these interesting things, these stories and picture them in your head is really, really cool. But if someone doesn't enjoy reading, if they just like, I don't have always, I don't always have the patience to sit still and just read a book anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did it. Like I read A Clockwork Orange in one sitting. Uh, Damn, it's impressive. a short book. Yeah, it's, it's still a, impressive. I, I, I still can't, I couldn't do it, I don't think. Fault in Our Stars took me two viewings. Well, there you go. Um, but to say automatically that literature is on a higher level than cinema, when cinema has is getting such a big footprint and such a big contribution to the world of culture now, mm-hmm. I don't think that's fair. And adaptation is a weird, blurred line in the middle of pure cinema and pure literature. And there's different limitations. And to expect a movie to be able to, or a TV show, or anything like that, to be able to directly translate everything that a book encapsulates, I believe is not realistic. I believe it's not... um, not plausible just because of the limitations of reality there's only so much that you can do in a movie there's only so much budget you get there's only so much time you have to hold someone's attention in a dark movie theater Mm -hmm. there's only so much time that you know you have because with a book if i don't if i'm done reading a book or if i don't want to read a book anymore fold the corner put it away i cannot fit four hours of stuff into a movie and expect someone to stay interested unless someone is a hardcore fan of the material. And that is again kind of the unfortunate side effect of the movie industry is you need to make it a mass appeal. Like I am sure if you know someone who is the biggest diehard Game of Thrones fan ever were told, hey, no budget restrictions, no time restrictions, make a movie. Yeah. They of could course. make a six hour long movie that would be unfair. Fucking believable that fantastic. hardcore fans would love, but the average person would be like six hours. I don't have that time, and probably wouldn't get half of it because it's references to the book that That's aren't it. done. Right. So I'm telling you, a Game of Thrones six hour movie that is true, true, true to the books would not do well at the box office. And unfortunately, with film and with literature, but to a lesser extent, you have to consider needs of the. Uh, not so much business needs, but you have to consider what the public is going to be able to tolerate. No, one hundred percent. There's definitely a, a, an un a limitation in the sense in that sense on film, not in an art sense, but in the fact that it needs to be profitable. Yeah, if literature a director wants to make a next movie, it has to do well in box office. Literature has its limitations too. Mm-hmm. I mean, just as much as films have, you know, the studios and the the. All that literature has publishers. You cannot write, I mean, unless you're George R. R. Martin, not everyone is going to be uh, able to go to a publisher and, hey, here's 1,400 pages. Half of which are about my food. <laughs> Half of which are about food. George R. R. Martin has that allowance now, not only because he wrote a very, very popular series of books, but he also is now the Game of Thrones guy. Mm-hmm. And if at this point, he has sort of a bit of a carte blanche because they know, whatever his publisher is, they know that whatever he puts out, hundreds of thousands of people are going to yeah. read it. Everyone who bought the last book will probably buy this one. Still waiting. And probably more. <laughs> How long has still. it been since the last book? It has been six years. Jesus. I And there's still one more after this next one. So uh, I'm just hoping, uh, knock on wood for George R. R. Martin's health. Good man. He good is man. not a young man. The the last tiny topic I wanted to reach before we get to our next segment uh, at the end of the day yeah. is 
the one medium that has never really successfully been translated no. from one from one to the other no is video game is into video movie game into movie we all remember the Street Fighter movie. Ugh. We remember the Mario Brothers movie. Ugh. We remember Doom um, with the first Doom. person shooter section yeah. that gave people fucking like nausea. Uh, the Warcraft movie also bombed, unfortunately. It did well internationally, and I kind of thought that one was okay, but even that was like ugh, a stretch. I'm trying to think of any other ones off the top of my head. I can't think of any others, but there just aren't the, many because of it. It's a tough medium because. You're creating a narrative out of something that isn't necessarily linear. Well, that's it. Even if you take the most straightforward narrative, like I know one of the rumors now is they're doing a movie based on the game Bioshock. And Bioshock yeah. is a very linear story. Oh, Assassin's Creed. Oh, God, that did horrible. That did horrible. I didn't even watch it, but I was very excited for it because that is a narrative video game. But even that, with Michael Fassbender... With Marion Cotillard, these are not like people who are and known for the just the actual studio here in Montreal that develops the game, fully involved. Not just like here's our characters, we trust you, do something good. That's it. They, they were... chose the director, the actor. They wrote the script. They did all. They of it. were set up to succeed better than most video game Ugh. movies were, and apparently it still bombed. Mm -hmm. And so I cannot bring myself to watch it as a lover of the Assassin's Creed series, as a lover of Michael Fassbender. And that's it. I so can't. every time they announce a new video game movie, it's always the one where I'm like, maybe this will be the one where they get it right. It and they have not. Ever and that's it. Do. The two on the horizon right now are The Last of Us, yeah. which is a game that just took my heart by the hand and led it to a magical land of zombies, <laughs> death, and apocalypse, but a me memories I will never let go of. And then there is Bioshock, another game that to this day is still one of the few games to if you put my controller down and just ogle the screen for a solid minute while I try to put things together in my head. As much as it is based, ironically, on... It, 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 Bioshock is an adaptation of Ayn Rand. Right. Uh, the Fountainhead and Atlas Shrug, which I've also never read. Good old, uh, yeah, Ayn Rand. I got, I got around reading those from some college. I'm pretty happy. Um, we were digressing. We were going too far into this. But suffice to say, adaptations are a great thing. They allow people who might not be a fan of one medium, i.e. readers... Uh, non-readers to go into another medium that they are better with moviegoers and experience even if not the exact same experience a variation of it that is still valid and telling a similar if not the same story yes and we need to stop looking as much as a movie may be an adaptation of a book we need to stop judging the movie against what the book did as long as the main the main story is there mm -hmm. you know the, the parts are there but just because the movie, for various reasons, for logistical reasons and for creative reasons, takes a different route than the book did, I don't think that... You know, if the movie's bad, the movie's bad. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But if the movie just takes a different route to get to the same end, I don't think we need to necessarily fault the movie and stand there and say the book is bad. Because like, like our friend Quinn says... I think that's just a lot of bragging and that's a lot of hot air under our wings like oh I read the book therefore I'm better but we need to get off of that we need to stop assuming that just because we read the book we are better if you read the book that is fantastic I'm very happy for you like reading books is great reading books allows you to enter into a world mm -hmm. and, and and imagine and it, I wish I read more yeah. I really do and hopefully once I graduate I will get back to reading more books but 
as someone who doesn't read as much books, it is really, really, really tiring to have someone. I remember watching um, one of the Hobbit movies. I forget which one. We went with a bunch of friends. I think you were mm-hmm. there too. And just coming out of the movie, I enjoyed it. And then have all of my friends, including a couple people I didn't know, say, yeah, the book did this so much better. This movie was shit. It was garbage. I was like, I enjoyed it. I liked it for what it was. Yeah. I think know? one of my one of my favorite things is having that discussion, book versus movie. Not that one was better, but just to discuss the differences. Yeah, and that's valid. One of my favorite conversations is talking to people who have read and watched Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Mm-hmm. That is an amazing adaptation. One that, to me, feels like it was done perfectly. There was no one. I could not pick one over the other. Mm-hmm. Love them both. And finding someone who's done the same thing and seen seen and read, I love that conversation. I think my girlfriend's done it. I believe you guys talked about this. Yeah. I have not read the Scott Pilgrim. Anyway. I will lend them to. They're great. We are... I know what you're about to say. We are running a little long right here on the topic, and we do want to get to our next this segment is a, real quick. This is a good one, though. I yeah, think. this was... I was afraid this would be a long one, so I didn't really I think want to we knew. I think we knew. Uh, so what are we going? We're into our uh, fun YouTube... Uh, fun YouTube. Fun Reddit. Our uh, This Week We Learned... This week we learned, um, okay, uh, for all of you communism fans out there, uh, today I learned, uh, this is from Reddit, uh, this is about, this is about yesterday this was posted, it had 28,000 upvotes. Yeah. That, that doesn't happen often, so today I learned, Stalin, as in Stalin, his granddaughter lives in Portland, Oregon, where she sells antiques, vintage clothes, and scented candles. Now, I just, like, I haven't read the New Yorker article that's linked to. It's a very lengthy read, but I do, I mean, I do plan to read it when I have the chance. Please. I would love to. Uh, Let me know because I won't read it. But I just, I read that this morning because it's a a recent post. And I just want to know how many people come in and either don't know that and it just, like, are, are unfazed by this old lady selling them antiques versus how many people come in knowing who she is and I either. I just want to. Either A, just want to meet her, or B, actually might dislike her. It's just a matter... I actually, um, in the Reddit thread, there was someone who was like, no shit. Like, someone posted, this is the store she works at. This is her store. And some guy was... A uh, response was, holy shit, I've been there dozens of times. <laughs> I have no idea. Stalin's so, granddaughter has sold me so many fucking scented I, candles. I would assume that the majority of people who go into that don't even know. Yeah, that's usually the, the general premise of a, of, a, of a Today I Learned is it's something that is not common knowledge. Unless it's the forward. Today I Learned. Steve Buscemi was a firefighter on 9-11. <laughs> anyway. One day we'll pick that one. And <laughs> we'll just like act totally surprised. And, but um, what I find cool about it mm-hmm. is how did she end up in, of all places, one of my favorite cities in the world. I visited it a couple of years ago. I'd love to go one day. Beautiful, really, really cool very similar to our city, Montreal, where it has its own vibe. It's very unique. So it's one of my favorite cities in the world, Portland, Oregon. Um, how did she end up there, of all places? Yeah, I mean, like, what a weird spot to end up. I mean, it's a popular city. It's You hear yes, about it enough. I mean, Portlandia is a show about it. There are bigger cities. Port, like, if you say, hey, name me a city in the United States, Portland, Oregon, as much as I love it, does not go into the top 10 for most Oh, I feel people. like it's probably in, like, the top half top of the list. 20? Maybe even top, like, 25. 25. Uh, it's got a sports team, which is more than many cities. They have the Portland Trailblazers, an NBA basketball team. Huh. That's it, though. 
I mean, I only know of it really from so from like media. Like I said, Portlandia is a show that often makes fun of being a hipster town. One it of is. My it's exactly series. Portlandia is not just a sketch comedy show. It is a documentary because <laughs> going into Portland, you're like, oh. Oh, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> Portland. I, I want to go to Portland, Oregon, and walk into any store and see Fred Armisen there. That'd be beautiful. Just playing everyone. I did, I did not see Fred Armisen when I was in Portland, but beautiful city. I do not know how Joseph Stalin's granddaughter got there. I hey, wish maybe I had you heard known. it was a good city. I wish I had known when I was there. I would have absolutely <laughs> gone to. I think it's like twelve or thirteen monkeys or something like that. Is, is the name, the name of the of shop? Name of the shop. I'd have to go back and visit the thread, but. I thought that was a cool tidbit. I saw that on the Today I Learned subreddit. I'm like, I need to say this because what are the chances that she's in? I think um, someone else linked and said Benito Mussolini's granddaughter is in Italian politics. And I would, oh. thought, I would have thought that Stalin's granddaughter was in that, maybe not politics, but in Russia in some capacity. Nope, she is in Portland, Oregon, selling scented candles. But at the same time, I also realize he probably has multiple grandchildren. Realistically, This is like yes. one of... I mean, with a big enough family, this could be, like, one of, like, a dozen. So, I mean... It's tough to say for sure. We don't know that number for facts. I mean, Hitler doesn't have any offspring or anything like that, right? Yeah, I believe I've heard that before, too. Anyways, we digress, and we were running far, and we were running a little over. So, let this be our sign-off. Let us say, thank you for listening. My bottle's empty. I drank two beers. I have a little bit left, and we're going for more uh, wings and juice. Wings and juice? Wings, wings and, and juice. <laughs> Gonna have some wings and sip on some juice, if you know what I mean. Yes, yeah, so I will have your best wings and a, a an orange juice, please. <laughs> oh, gross. Apple juice with your wings. Fuck. Cranberry juice. Boysenberry. Boys. <laughs> what is boysenberry? It's, uh, anyway, that, that's We're digressing. We need to actually end the show. <laughs> we have to say thank you to Aries Smiles, Andrea, for our art. Say, she's wonderful uh i believe season four of ruby just, just wrapped up wrapped up i actually oh. have not watched season four at all yet dude oh next time you're coming over we're doing that okay we'll marathon it i'm down mm-hmm. i'm down but uh Good ruby season. love ruby love uh, love airy smiles love andrea same person but but we I, love you that much we love both you and your twitter ego yes we love both of you we love your, your public your, and your private your self twigo twigo do you have a twigo yeah like, is your, is your Twitter self really an alternate you? A little bit. I, I like the tweet in character. I like, my brother's really good at that. My brother lives to be a Twitter character. <laughs> anyway, again, we're digressing. So clearly we're at the end of the show where we We, we just run of... headlong off a cliff into stupidity until one of us hits the stop button. Once on again, computer. once again, follow us on Facebook. Speaking of which, follow us on Twitter. Speak at Speaking Which. Follow us personally on Twitter. At, at Ryan W. At Boxless Thought. And have a great fucking day. Or night. Or afternoon. Or Ooh. dusk. Dusk is a great time of day. Twilight. The time, not the movies. Or the books. How do we not have a twilight? Have a great morning.